Hey everyone, so it's good to be back. It's been quite a while. Uh, definitely a lot of crazy things happening in our world today. Um, between the coronavirus pandemic and, uh, of course, the very tragic uh, George Floyd deaths and, of course, the protests and riots as a result of it, I felt that there was uh, there, there isn't really a better time to uh, do a podcast on the idea of listening. And, you know, it sounds like a simple task, which should be, but a lot of times what we think we're doing by listening is actually not real listening. It's, it's pseudo-listening, which I'll get into in a moment. So this was actually an article I wrote back in 2017 called Sell by Listening, Mastering the Subtle Art of Shutting the Hell Up. And so um, I'll go through it with you and teach you from specifically a book on communication skills uh, that a group of psychologists put together called Messages. Um, what real listening means and how you can uh, use it not only at home because again you're in the pandemic you're you're cooped up at home with your spouse with your family and so you have to find better ways uh, to listen but more importantly during these times of uh, very very difficult times for our country you know how do we listen to each other better especially going to an election year right there's a lot of noise how, how do we listen so let's begin Let's start with a quote. The quality of your life is reflected in the quality of questions you ask yourself. So that starts by asking yourself this. Do you know how to listen? And more importantly, do you know how to listen effectively? Now, the old sales adage is to always lead with questions, right? Rather than show up and throw up, you know, success is often found in the ability to ask good questions. We know this from the business world. But one thing I noticed back in uh, earlier in my career was I often observed sales professionals and, of course, marketers making the same mistake that I saw many medical school classmates of mine made. As some of you don't know this, but I actually went to medical school. I dropped out. Um, but the mistake I saw people make in medical school with patients was asking questions just for the sake of asking questions, right? Do you actually add more value by asking a question that shows how smart you are or demonstrate that you actually care about their problems? Probably not. Uh, maybe, but you know that's not what converts a patient into a compliant patient who's going to work with you to get their health better. It's not going to help uh, move a prospect and a business and a pipeline towards a sale, or even really optimize a marketing campaign uh, to have more conversations. So what's the variable we can change here to have better quality questions that give us more information to you know, sell, to persuade, but more importantly, to have a better relationship. Because sometimes it's not just about selling or persuading. Sometimes it's actually about listening, and, and that's what it is. It's listening. Um, so, of course, for me, I, I researched this topic and pulled the best practices from the people who are the best at this, people who are therapists, behavioral therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists, to improve my ability in listening. Uh, AKA what I call the subtle art of shutting the hell up. Now, uh, what inspired this was a, a sales director named Ken Husted. I mean, he's an executive now, but back then he was a sales director uh, who's from the South, Texas, is just like me. And he had this great saying of, listen with two ears and one mouth. And so this is kind of to sort of honor that type of uh, proverb, that Ken Husted-ism, as I like to call it. Um, so the amazing thing is that... Uh, when I learned how to listen, 
I saw amazing things happen when I put this new skill into action, or rather, I guess, inaction. Um, you know, people, they provide more valuable information in business deals. In my personal life, uh, people opened up to me more. They were more willing to be vulnerable. Um, but one thing I realized, and I'm going to mention this to all of you, is that just because you have your mouth shut doesn't mean that you're listening, right? That's what we all think. If we're being quiet and we have our mouth shut, we're listening, but that's not true. Um, and it does not constitute real listening. So listening is a commitment and a compliment. It's, it's a commitment in the sense that it's understanding how other people feel, their worldview, how they fit their feelings into that view. And that entails putting aside your own prejudices and beliefs, your, your self-interest, your anxieties, and starting to see the world through their lens. Listening is also a compliment because it says, hey, you know, I care about what's happening slash what's happened to you, and your perspective is important to me. Now, politics aside, I mean, one thing that I've heard from you know, politicians like uh, Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, you know, other world leaders is that they have the ability to make anyone feel as though they're the only thing that matters in that moment, right? Um, and what we have to keep in mind is we all have rose-colored glasses on this world, but we have to keep in mind that they're all different shades of red. So listening, listening comes in two forms, real and pseudo. So real listening is based on the intention to do one of these four things. Number one, understand someone. Number two, enjoy someone. Number three, to learn something. Number four, to get help or solace. Now, whether it's helping someone express their thoughts, understanding a point of view, or learning, the key is listening is wanting and intending to do so. And if you haven't noticed, when it comes to real listening, more often than not, the motivation is self-motivated, right? We're trying to under, you know, trying to understand someone, perhaps for some reason, for us to advance an agenda. Maybe in, you know, there's enjoyment involved on our part. We're learning something. So, if we're able to find the most um, uh, unlistenable, if that's such a thing, person, but we're able to frame whatever they're saying to us into one of these four things, you will actually listen. The one thing that I I learned to do very very well was this: is that many times. Um, your biggest critics in this world, they 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 turn you off. You just do not want to listen to them, right? You think they're stupid. You think they're moronic. You think they're worthless. But the way I was able to change this, and this is how I was able to to improve my listening, was that perhaps the person who I'm, let's say, a rival with, or I'm debating against, or having an argument with, maybe 99% of what I'm saying is all correct right of whatever model i have in my head of the, of what we're discussing but there is this slight chance of 1% even if it's 0.001% that they know something that i do not and that one thing can be taken and added to my worldview my model my understanding and make me better and more importantly save me from humiliation I can't tell you how many times where I was certain I was correct about a situation, I was perhaps upset, maybe I was I read an email and I said this person is wrong and I chose to hold my tongue and listen to them to understand, to learn something new and more often than not I saved myself the embarrassment and humiliation and I was able to listen.
So let's talk about pseudo-listening. What's pseudo-listening? Well, unfortunately, pseudo-listening parades around and masquerades as the real thing, right? Like I told you, we think this is actually listening. But you'll quickly find out that a lot of pseudo-listening does not have to do with the intention of listening, but more importantly, the intent to meet some other need of ours, right? And I'm gonna take a quick swig of this delicious water. It's it's a Monday, so I don't usually I'll, I'll be having a beer or a scotch with you guys, but work week, so I drink water. Now, here I'm gonna read these uh, ten items where where these are pseudo listening, right? And keep in mind the. Um, the intention is not of listening, but the intention is to meet another need of ours, okay? Here's the list. Number one, making people think you're interested so they will like you. Number two, being alert to see if you're in danger of being rejected. Number three, listening to one specific information and ignoring everything else. Number four, buying time to prepare your next comment. Number five, half listening so someone will listen to you. Number six, listening to find someone's vulnerabilities. Number seven, looking for the weak points in an argument so you can always be right or listening to get ammunition for the attack. Number eight, checking to see how people are reacting and making sure you produce the desired effect. Number nine, half listening because a good, kind, or nice person would. Uh, half listening because you don't know how to get away without hurting or offending someone. Now, when we think about mental blocks, uh, mental blocks are usually a very common cause of poor decision making. And believe it or not, it's the same thing when it goes to listening. Um, and you know, I'm going to hit you with another list. So I recommend you know saving this uh, this pocket so you can go back to listening. But here here are 12 different uh, listening blocks that technically obstruct us from listening. Uh, comparing. So you can't listen to somebody if you're comparing what they're saying to what you said or are about to say. Number two, and this is a classic one because it's something I, I, I often point to, um, and I credit Scott Adams and his book Loser Think uh, for t pointing this one out, mind reading, mind reading. So thinking about what the other person is thinking actually shows that you distrust them. You hear them say they're happy, but really you think that they're not. The mind reader spends less time paying attention to the words and more time on the intonations, subtle cues, in order to see through the truth. Now, let me contrast that. If let's say you come home and your spouse says, hey, you know, I'm happy, everything's fine. It's a different thing if you stop and say, hey, you know, are you sure, you know, you can you can talk to me, tell me about your day, you know, tell me, tell me how things went. And then you listen versus jumping to a conclusion and mind reading and saying, oh, they're not happy because of this intonation. They they had a smirk on their face, they rolled their eyes or something, right? So number three, third, third mental block, rehearsing. No time to listen to the other person, right? When you're rehearsing. Your attention is on preparation and crafting your next comment. Again, that's a mental block. You're not listening, you're preparing. Filtering is another mental block. This is where, um, you know, cognitive biases lay mental blocks along with listening blocks, right? You only hear what you want to hear, right? And not all of it, you know? This is another way uh, to avoid hearing certain things. And, and so when you're filtering, you're 
in, uh, you're essentially falling to falling uh, into confirmation bias. So you have an idea in your head and you're listening to what the other person is saying to find one thing to confirm the bias you have. You think someone is being um, is lying, you're listening carefully to the story, not to put the whole story into context. You're looking for that one thing like, oh, wait, that doesn't make sense, right? That's filtering. The fifth uh, mental block, judging. Negative labels uh, carry a very, very uh, enormous power, right? And of course, cognitive biases. Remember, co you know, a lot of confirmation bias goes to them. So can you really listen to someone if you think they're not smart enough or perhaps that they're a liar or, um, or anything else? So a basic rule of listening is to make your judgments after, after you've heard everything and evaluate the content of the message. Uh, the sixth mental block is dreaming. You're half listening because you're thinking about the moment you close the sale or perhaps, you know, uh, 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 you know, finish the debate with somebody, whatever it might might be. You're thinking about what happens after this conversation, right? You're daydreaming, right? And this often happens when you feel very bored or anxious about the conversation you're having. Uh, the seventh mental block, identifying. You take everything the person says and relate it back to your own experience. I know this is a common one, right? Um, because we think we're trying to relate to the other person, but the point is that sometimes you, you cannot do that in real time. You can't take what somebody's saying and relate it back to you. You can't identify with them unless you're, you, you're very similar to them, which likely, more than likely not, right? The whole point, and I, keep in mind, identifying is a form of judgment. You, you leave that for after the conversation. In the moment of the conversation, if you're truly listening, you're not identifying. Number eight, advising. This is something that I used to, um, I, I st and I still make this mistake, and I have to remind myself not to do this. You know, you're a great problem solver. You're always ready to help, and you you have suggestions. There's nothing wrong with that. Just a few sentences in, and you're searching for the advice to give. And in reality, you often miss what's most important about how the person is actually feeling and the subtle clues to the greater pain. I you know I take a lot of pride in my ability to mentor people, and this is something I, I have to work on because a lot of people reach out to me for advice and guidance, but I have to, I often learn. I have to let the other person speak and really get it out. You know, the only time I really interrupt them, if I interrupt them, is if they say something and I I, I want to, you know, perhaps, you know, go back to go back to it and dig deeper. You know, they mention something, you know, and I say, hey, you know, you mentioned this, like, why did you say that? Like, what do you mean by that? Right. Uh, number nine, sparring. This block has you arguing and debating people. So your attention, again, is, is on finding things to disagree with. Presidential debates is a great example of this. And a subtype of sparring is using sarcastic remarks to put down or dismiss what the other person says. A second subtype is people who can't stand compliments, right? So, you know, you're, let's say you're being praised for what you did and someone's saying, you know, you did a fantastic job for X, Y, Z, and you interrupt, you're like, oh, I didn't do anything special, right? That's that's a that's actually a form of sparring. You know, if you're listening, let the person say what they want to say. Let them praise you. All right. Um, number ten, being right. You'll go to any length to win. Right. You twist words. You raise your voice. You make accusations. You call up past sins. You can't listen to criticism, and you can't be corrected, and can't take suggestions to change. So your convictions are just unshakable. And since you won't take responsibility for past mistakes, you keep making them. Right. That's the bias of being right, you know? And when you have this filter on, this is a this is a listening block, you know? Because now your world is divided into what's right and what's wrong.
Uh, number 11 is derailing. You find ways to change the subject when you get bored or uncomfortable with, with what you're talking, right? And you're not really listening. And the 12, number 12 is, is, and this is a common, placating. You're listening, you're like, and you're saying, right, uh-huh, yes, okay, uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, we all often do that, especially when we're on the phone and let's say we're, we're on the phone for a little bit too long with somebody, right? This is placating. This is not active listening. It's just being kind of nice and you're trying to hurry the conversation along, right? Now, uh, when people speak to you, they subconsciously look for clues to prove that you are, right? There's seven, seven things you can do. You know, this is definitely, uh, it's better in person, but especially when you're doing video conferencing, you can do these things. And even when you're speaking to somebody on the phone, I, I, I recommend practicing these things. So when you're in person, in front of somebody, you use these seven clues to help. One thing that I always tell people is that, you know, your, your mind and your body are connected for a reason, right? That's why if you walk down a path and you hear a, a sound that scares you, immediately your, your feet move, right? Before you even realize what it is. So because of that, there's ways to use your body to influence your mind and thus your mind influences your body. Here's a perfect example. If you're in a meeting, let's say a negotiation, and you start to get tense, right? You start thinking about how the other person is a tough negotiator and you're, you're getting a little tense. You're thinking about you know, how you can outdo them. Then you start crossing your arms, right? You're, you're, in a, you're putting your body in protective position. And then you start leaning on the table and hunched out forward. All these things are, are, are stress signals to your body. And your brain interpret, interprets this as, oh, something's wrong. The bot, our body, like we're, we're kind of in a stressful defensive mechanism. And then your brain starts to get more defensive. And then it's a, it's a, it's a, it becomes a loop. So here are seven things that you should do that help you actively engage in good listening. Number one, maintain good eye contact. So look at people's eyes when they're talking. Don't look too much. I recommend looking at the eyes for a few seconds, maybe up to the forehead or to the ears, you know, and then back to the eyes, right? Lean slightly forward. You know, that's a, that's a great cue. You know, I think the most important way to show somebody that you're really genuinely listening is whether you're standing up or, or sitting down, that when they start talking, you lean in, right? And to the, to the other person, it's a cue that you, you're leaning in to listen. Um, number three, reinforce the speaker by nodding. Because by nodding, you're you're helping them along. You're allowing the, the person to have a little bit more confidence in what they're telling you. And you're nodding, showing that you're understanding what they're saying. Number four, paraphrase what you think by saying what they said in their own words. Um, what I recommend, and this comes from uh, a book called Persuasion Engineering by Neuro, uh, Richard Bandler, who's a neuro, who's the, one of the fathers of neurolinguistic programming, is that it's not enough just to paraphrase the words, right? If you're in person and, and someone says, uh, we need to get a full picture of this, and imagine that they use their hands and they create like a square, like a picture, then when you paraphrase back to them, whatever they say, and you let's just say you get to, we need to make a full picture of this, you use the same hand gestures, the same body language and movements that they are. You're mimicking and mirroring them, which is a really powerful form of persuasion because when you mimic, right, it, it activates the liking principle, which is a principle of persuasion. Liking meaning if you are like me in the way we talk, think, look, etc., etc., I will be more persuaded by you. All right. Number five, clarify by asking questions. You know, again, if you're really listening, you, you ask clarifying questions. You know, what did you mean by this? 
Um, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Um, you know, and, and specific questions. Why? You know, I, I always ask the question why. Why is a great question because it shows that you, you're genuinely interested. You want this person to speak more, to share their experience. Uh, number six, and this is, of course, good, um, you know, pre-pandemic world uh, when I wrote this. Number six is actively move away from distractions. But you can do that even uh, in the virtual uh, video conferencing world. So if someone FaceTimes you, right, or let's say they Zoom you and you're in, you're using your laptop, you can say, hey, you know what, uh, let me move to a quieter place. Let's say you're in a cafe or perhaps you're at home and you know you're by the front front window and there's you know something outside. You say, hey, you know what? Let me let me move somewhere a little bit more quiet, a little less distracting. You're you're showing them that you you're valuing what they're about to say. And number seven, most importantly, be committed to understanding uh, what was said, even if you're angry or annoyed or in a rush. You have to slow things down. You have to, you know, and the best way to do that. For some reason, emotions are, you know, they're tied to our to our midbrain and 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 lower brain, the lizard lizard brain. And for some reason, when you call it out out loud and you say, "Oh, you know, I'm 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 upset or angry," you slow things down and you get rid of them. Sometimes, even with my with my own with either my CEO or my own boss, you know, if if I'm if I'm angry or annoyed about something, I'll say it out loud. I'll say, "Hey." I'm sorry. I was like, you know, like let's talk about this. I, I want to listen to what you have to say, but you know, I'm I'm just upset about about X, Y, or Z. I'm a little bit annoyed, but you know, I, I let me let me listen because I, I want I want to hear your perspective. The moment I say it out loud, it's almost like I hold myself accountable publicly to the other person, acknowledging the fact that I'm annoyed, I'm angry, right? And this is a great, you know, just kind of a sidebar here. This is a great thing to use when you're dealing with somebody yourself. If you have a, let's say your boss or CEO or some, or a board member who's visibly upset or angry, you should call it out right there. You know, you should say, hey, um, you know, it. I can tell you look incredibly angry and frustrated and I don't blame you, I would be too. The moment you call it out, call out whatever emotions they're thinking and feeling, and again, I, I tell people not to mind read, but I it's pretty. It's pretty obvious to assume based in context when someone's upset or happy, etc. Now, um, the last thing I want to cover is a little bonus section. Is kind of listening for executive boards and teams. So when you're on a leadership board, it's it's very much like a marriage. Uh, you spend a lot of time together, and you actually show how you really, really feel with each other, and you put up with a lot. So when you're speaking. Right, and this is great in front of you know for for dealing with your board when you're speaking. Three simple things: explain your point of view very briefly and succinctly. You know, get rid of eloquent, flowery language. Be concise. Use simple language. Be direct and to the point. Uh, number two: avoid name calling and blaming. Don't accuse and don't focus on on your you know someone else's shortcomings. Right, just. Focus objectively on what needs to be said, and talk. And number three, talk in terms of yourself and your experience. Focus on what you want and what you feel. That's the best thing you can do. Don't speak for somebody else. Uh, and when you're a listener, three simple s- simple steps: give your full attention so that you can really understand what your colleague is feeling, and you know, including their opinions and needs. Number two, don't disagree or argue or correct anything they say. Let them speak. And number three, you can ask questions to clarify the issue, but do not debate and make counterpoints. So, how does this come all together? Well, for for what I for the leadership or board board member meeting, 
you know, speaker goes for five minutes, listener summarizes in under a minute using paraphrasing, and then the speaker can clarify anything the listener left out or misunderstood. The thing that you have to keep in mind is that effective listening and the subtle art of shutting the hell up, both your mind and your mouth, slows down the communication so that conflicts are less likely to escalate while also promoting clarity about the needs and feelings of the other person. So now, knowing all this, you can actually ask relevant and effective questions. So I hope that's been helpful. I hope it helps you in your professional life, your, your, your personal life. And more importantly, if you like this you know, episode, like please save it and share it with somebody. Today uh, is the birthday, June 22nd, of my dear, dear uh, mentor who has passed. He, uh, Christopher Selzy passed away uh, about a year ago. Uh, and uh, he was a remarkable man. He, really, he was one of the first people I really saw demonstrate what it means to listen. He was a very busy sales executive, um, but he always found time to listen very carefully to his people, whether it was another executive or someone who was just a rep, you know, or an associate like I was at the time. And you never, you never uh, appreciate people who do stuff like that until it's, uh, until it's, until they're gone. But uh, I guess in my own way, I I celebrate his spirit by always finding ways to uh, improve myself, listen to people, make them feel listened to. And hopefully, um, you know, give back to the world in the way that he did. So to celebrate for his birthday, I decided that uh, June 22nd is Chris Sell's day. And uh, to celebrate, I, I'm i going to try and, you know, aside from <laughs> spread word on it, uh, try and find ways to celebrate his spirit, you know, mentoring somebody, um, <laughs> singing to my wife and making her laugh. He was, he was a wonderful family man. Um, giving somebody a pep talk, you know, leaving a waiter, an unsuspecting waiter, a huge tip, you know. Um, so to celebrate, you know, if you could take this podcast, share it with somebody that you care about, share somebody with, that you uh, are mentoring, and it would mean the world to me. So with that said, I hope you're well, stay safe, and I will talk to you all soon. Bye for now. Thank you again for tuning in to this week's episode of the mind loom for questions that you'd like to submit please email mindloomboom at gmail.com that's mindloomboom at gmail.com